back again. It's been a while since we've gotten to have a little chit chat together, but I recently watched the Barbie movie. Actually, I watched it twice um, on two separate occasions. And after watching it a second time and like fully absorbing the impact, I feel like I'm more ready to like talk about it and bring those discussions to the table. But first, before we get into it, you know, we have to have a little sesh. Um, I recently just cleaned out my bong, so. I'm feeling pretty high on life right now. Okay. I feel like the reason why I love smoking so much is because it encourages you to like sit and take deep breaths and fully focus on what it is that you're doing. I'm chilling in my room right now, so we have a nice, quiet, chill environment for you guys. Um, I do want to put a little bit of a content warning because in this episode I talk about violence and pornography. And so if you are sensitive to themes like that, you might want to skip this one. Okay, so basically, I thought the Barbie movie was insane. And when I was leaving the movie theater with uh, the person I went with, she, I was basically telling her what I thought about the movie. And she was pretty much like, oh, like, you're thinking too hard. It's just a Barbie movie. But then I saw it again. And the friend I went with that time was like telling me that they were like having some thoughts about the Barbie movie. So it's good to know that like, I'm not freaking crazy. And then to see all of the different media and stuff that's been released, just talking about the movie and, like, what it meant to them. To me, honestly, the Barbie movie was just meant to be, like, a statement about... And, like, spoilers, if you haven't seen it yet. It was meant to be a statement about, like, women and the patriarchy and gender roles and men in their relationship to gender roles and the world and I feel like the Barbie movie especially talks about like it's meant to be a satire of the world that we live in and so basically the gender roles of Barbie and Ken are switched So Barbie is the light of his life and the light of his world and he lives to serve Barbie and his identity is in relation to what Barbie thinks is good and not good. And so there were a lot of articles going around saying like, oh, the Barbie movie is sort of like a Bechdel test, which basically if you take a guy to watch the Barbie movie with you, and he's offended by it, then it shows that you need to kind of stay away because the movie was meant for 
everyone to kind of relate to, everyone to kind of understand. And it wasn't just about like women not being people. It was more like women are people too. And so I thought it had a lot of important themes about like gender identity and how gender related things and the patriarchy were pretty much created to reaffirm like gendered beliefs and so if we can see all of these things that are traditionally associated with Barbie it's like pink and it's feminine and that's part of the problem and it's about basing your gender in relation to like what the world accepts and what the world thinks is good and I like that they talk a lot about how like having one set ideal for a man or a woman to be isn't healthy and they bring the creator of Barbie to like the screen and she pretty much talks about how like Barbie was modeled after her daughter and is meant to resemble like a mother-daughter relationship to teach women that anyone can be strong. And I love how she says that like Barbie's not meant to be like attainable or like relatable. It's supposed to be more of a concept and it is like I honestly really liked the movie. I really liked Alan. And I feel like this is one of the most like thought-provoking movies that has come out this year. And uh, the Barbie movie honestly made me think about like the patriarchy and pornography and how like things that women have and do are so sexualized and the things that men do are supposed to be viewed as like strong and like useful and like oh this guy is actually doing something for the world and speaking of like men and the patriarchy I feel like it also ties a lot into pornography because if you think about like the typical things that come up when you go to the like top rated porn videos on Pornhub it's like BDSM and like choking and slapping and it really makes you think a lot about if men abuse power dynamics during sex and like I'm just like why are the porn searches so violent and what is the connection between women who like it rough during sex and like actual domestic violence and abuse and I don't feel like watching porn is bad but I do feel like porn itself is like inherently misogynistic and studies show that like porn short circuits the reward centers in the brain and a lot of things cause this not just porn also like tv video games social media and uh, I honestly think that we need to just focus on like not having unrealistic 
expectations of reality and not just by pornography even social media too because there was a whole thing about how like we have to learn that like people are only a fraction of like what you see online and so I think it's been a conversation for a while like not to compare yourself or to try not to compare yourself to others like gender wise or the things that you see like in the media or on social media and so I feel like things like that mess with like our gauges of artificial gratification and the stimulus to the brain because anytime that you scroll like on TikTok or Instagram reels you basically get like a hit of serotonin every time and part of that serotonin comes from the fact that you see something new every single time and I'm not like anti-porn I want to say that because and I'm not anti-social media either porn itself is not the problem there's nothing wrong with masturbation or watching porn it's the overconsumption, the industry and its effects on the world that are the problem for me because overconsumption of anything is bad especially pornography and social media but the formatting of these things are meant to be addictive and I don't think that people understand that porn sets off like serotonin and dopamine receptors that give you easy pleasure and so like you don't have to work for it and so there's no emotional connection to watching it and because of that it can dull the brain's craving for emotion towards sex which obviously leads to other issues and I pretty much saw these reddit posts that were saying like about how oh like my boyfriend watches porn all the time and he never wants to have sex with me or he says that it's not as interesting or asks me to do all these things and I'm like where are they coming from and so the comments pretty much say that like watching violent and degrading porn leads to increasing violence against women and men using porn will almost inevitably lead them to seeing degrading and violent pornography if society doesn't draw a line and make sure men know what is sexually acceptable then they will continue to use porn of this nature as it gets more and more extreme porn itself modifies a person's interest in what they find morally and socially acceptable it teaches men to seek out this porn to be aroused by it and emulate it and i honestly feel like she's not wrong because like regardless of how self-aware a person is I still think that the things you see online will affect you and so somebody else basically said the problems with porn in my opinion are objectification and super stimulus objectification is more ethics basically it's not good to associate people with primal pleasure so much that you struggle to see them as anything more than objects for your own amusement affirmative consent oh my gosh sorry affirmative consent exists for a reason and it's no good to try and make someone share their body with you in a manner that they don't want to do trying to repu trying to replicate porn scenes 
makes this especially perennious because porn all too often serves as a super stimulus to human sexuality. This is where you can find science on the subject. Scientists found a species of bird that recognizes its eggs by protecting them. The speckles coating their shells protects them from predators and they crafted fake eggs with more speckles than real eggs, introduced them to a nest and found that the mother abandoned her eggs in favor of the fake eggs because they were more stimulating to her maternal instincts than her actual live eggs. Pornography is but one of the many areas where a super stimulus has found its way into 21st century life and it is hindering our natural functioning by outperforming the real thing. My best guess as to how to function despite it is to set boundaries. These would be unique to you, but I suggest having some specific marker that you hold in reserve for real intimacy with real human beings. You'll then want to specifically avoid pornography that replicates and especially heightens said markers. If you want to avoid consuming pornography that overstimulates the specific patterns which you personally identify as an intimate partner, as well as leaks, hacks, and revenge pieces that were posted without the performer's consent, then I believe you can significantly reduce the harm that using pornography can do to you. I definitely agree because, like, like I said, we can be mindful about the way that we consume things, but there's still something subconsciously that's going on that programs of things you see into your mind and it's the same thing that I was saying on the social media episode about how like dating apps are a form of social media and uh, studies show that a lot of people who use dating apps don't really feel like fulfilled and happy because the apps are designed to keep you unhappy because if you find happiness then you will stop using the app and so I also pulled up these vice articles about the ethical way to watch porn so it says We spoke to the author of a new book, Ethical Porn for Dicks, about how to enjoy porn responsibly. We're living in an era that you might call peak porn. You can find just about any type of porn online and access it at any time from anywhere. People watch the stuff at work and in fast food restaurants and at national political conventions. Even the GOP has called out four of our fine nation's obsession with pornography They've described it as a public health crisis and uh, what all that porn is doing to us as human beings and particularly as men is not yet clear. And uh, that's especially true because while pornography has never been as ubiquitous as it is now, plenty of sophisticated folk have still had a hard time discussing how they engage with porn. David J. Lay, a psychologist who specializes in sexuality issues, 
wants to change that. His most recent book, Ethical Porns for Dicks, A Man's Guide to Responsible Viewing Pleasure, is a humorous and provocative handbook for men who want to think more rigorously or comprehensively about their porn consumption and whether there's a right or wrong way to consume porn. Lay told me he wrote the book imagining that he was sitting and having a beer, talking with friends about porn. So I got in touch with him to hear more about the book and what men can do to make their porn watching habits more ethical. So for starters, what is ethical porn? He says, in the book, I talk about ethical porn in two ways, in terms of consumption and production. Ethical consumption of porn is mindful, aware, responsible, and marked by sexual integrity. Ethically produced porn is porn made consensually where the performers are engaging in acts for which they are paid a fair wage. Ethical porn production doesn't exploit people nor performers. It treats sexuality in a healthy way, recognizing the wide diversity of sexual interests, body types, and desires. Ethical porn is about responsibly and intentionally supporting ethical sex values. So then they says... As you seek to destigmatize porn consumption, I presume you won't mind me asking, what are your own porn viewing habits? Like most men of my generation, I first saw porn when I was an adolescent. Older males gave it to me. There have been times in my life where I watched what might have been too much porn and other times when I might not have watched enough. That's crazy. And then the writer says, I also first encountered porn when I was quite young. A neighbor showed me a stack of Hustler magazines his father had hidden in the basement. Later on, we got our hands on some X-rated VHS tapes. I don't think I was harmed by those experiences, but of course, it's a different world now. Do you think there are consequences with kids accessing porn on their computers? There's a tremendous amount of hyperbole around the adolescent and child exposure to porn it's a favorite tactic of moral panics to cry save the children hard data and cold facts are difficult to come by the best research i find seems the average age of exposure to porn is around 14 but that's not inconsistent with the history of pre-internet exposure but the internet offers greater access to porn so people who want to see it can find it much more easily and at a greater diversity and volume than you and I ever could and so there's not only like a panic amongst adults about like our consumption of porn and like what it does to change our perception of relationships and our bodies and the world but there are also completely separate studies to show like what viewing that type of content can do to children and how it's common in our society for children to be exposed to that at a very young age and I also have another article pulled up here that pretty much talks about why so many women are searching for ultra-violent porn with tags like extreme brutal gangbang, forced, and rape. A quarter of straight porn searches by women are for videos featuring violence against their own sex. 
5% of searches by women are for content portraying non-consensual sex, while men still search for significantly more porn than women. Search rates for these more extreme types of sexual content are at least twice as common among women than they are for men. And these statistics make for fairly surprising readings, but... Dr. Seth Stevens, a former Google data scientist, discovered that when he was given complete access to Pornhub's search and views data for his upcoming book, if there is a genre of porn in which violence is perpetuated against a woman, my analysis of the data shows that it almost always appeals disproportionately to women, he writes. And this is really interesting to me because why are women so keen on seeing videos tagged with painful anal crying, public disgrace, or extreme brutal gangbang? And this is, I mean, this is his data. I'm sure it's probably like cross-matched with data from other studies, but I would have never thought myself that it would be mostly women searching for these things. And so basically, he says that the feminist porn movement, one focusing on equality and empowerment, might be thriving, but the data shows proportionately women are also consuming much more of the most extreme misogynistic sexual material available online. Then he pretty much talks about the dangerous business of BDSM abduction fantasies. And he says that it isn't uncommon for women to have fantasies about coercive sex as the findings of a study into women's rape fantasies from 2012 indicates. And I'm like, who the fuck is going around like thinking of these studies and doing them? But the team of researchers from the University of North Texas and the University of Notre Dame played 355 young women in erotic rape fantasy as opposed to a literal portrayal of sexual assault over headphones to investigate how aroused they became. This is an, an insane study. The tape's material derived from the kind of storylines often found in romance novels tells the tale of a male protagonist who is strongly attracted to the female character. He expresses a desire for sex with her, but she's clearly unresponsive. He attempts to convince her without success and she continues to refuse his advances. The male character then overpowers and rapes her. She resists throughout and at no time gives consent. However, as the man is attractive to her and provides erotic stimulation, she does experience gratification from the forced sex. Researchers found that 52% of women had fantasies about forced sex with a man, 32% about being raped, and 28% about forced oral sex with a man. Overall, 62% of the women reported having had at least one fantasy around a forced sex act. The researchers then investigated if the women's fantasies were indicative of sexual blame avoidance, a hypothesis that women socialized by our slut-shaming culture choose forced sex themes to negate feelings of shame and guilt. The opposite was found to be true. Women who reported being less repressed about sex were more likely to have rape fantasies, more open to fantasy in general, and more likely to have consensual fantasies. And finally, they were found 
are more likely to have high self-esteem. People who suffered former psychological trauma or abuse are often in abusive rep- relationships. They tend to repeat the cycle. So if women who fantasize about rape or coercive sex are actually some of the most liberated out there, is it the same story for women who watch violent porn? It's not that clear cut. There has been very little research into the latter, but a study from 2011 basically found that the women most likely to watch porn, especially the extreme kinds, were those who had suffered sexual assaults and psychological violence at the hands of their family. And so Dr. Raj Prasand, a British consultant, says that unlike the women in the rape fantasy study, we do not know the situation of women searching for violent porn. I think it's probably the case that women who have been abused have ended up with a disturbed view of sex. People who suffer former psychological trauma or abuse are often in abusive relationships. They tend to repeat the cycle and we don't know whether the people doing those searches are in an abusive relationship and are doing the searches because they are coerced into doing so. There are a lot of unknowns and without speaking to the women who are searching for this porn, we can't know whether or not they've been abused. The search data shows that there's a secret side to people's lives, which psychologists have difficulty accessing. We don't know if they're looking out of interest or doing it is or doing it because it's what their boyfriends want or hookups want, or if they're actually masturbating to it. And then they say, until we know how long the women are staying on the porn sites and have actual empirical evidence about what they are doing while on the sites, we don't know if they are looking out of interest or doing it because it's what others want. And if these women who watch this violent porn have been abused, then they are actually digging the trauma further into your brain and driving those ideas further into your limbic systems and porn delivers a master hit to the limbic system because you're watching someone going through the same trauma that you did and so I have a hard time like wrapping my head around this because I guess for me I would never have guessed that women would be more likely to search these types of porn, but it makes sense because women are more likely to be abused in that way. I'm not saying that it doesn't happen to everyone, but any abuse to anyone will of any gender will definitely give their mind a skewed view of like what sex is and what it should be and they have also done studies where they hook up sensors to people and show videos of, of them going through similar trauma and it basically reactivates that trauma in your brain and it reactivates the same sensors as it did the time that you were going through it. So it's almost like your brain is like, addicted to these chemicals and you think that it's right because you went through this and then the article pretty much goes on to say that like while women who fantasize about violent sex are 
they tend to be the most liberated. The same cannot be said about women who are actually searching for violent porn because being able to fantasize about something is kind of a luxury but it's not that much of a luxury when it's based in trauma and it's your real life and then I feel like for me that also brings up like I guess ideas about rough sex and why that's such a popular thing and so I saw this article here, let me pull it up. It's called Why We Crave Sexual Novelty and What It Means for Our Sex Lives. When our interest in sex begins to wane, exposure to a new or novel partner has a way of bringing it back. This phenomenon has been formally dubbed the Coolidge Effect, and it's got its name from a popular antidote about a visit that U.S. President Calvin Coolidge and his wife supposedly made to a chicken farm. The story goes something like this. Miss Coolidge, observing the rigor with which one particularly prominent rooster covered hen after hen, asked the guide to make certain that the president took note of the rooster's behavior. When President Coolidge got to the hen yard, the rooster was pointed out and his exploits encountered by the guide who added the that Miss Coolidge had requested that the president be made aware of the rooster's prowess. The president reflected for a moment and replied, Tell Miss Coolidge that there is more than one hen. <laughs> the Coolidge effect has been documented in several animal species. For instance, research has found that when a male rat is placed inside of a cage with several female rats that are in heat, he will mate with all of them until he appears exhausted. However, if a new female is then introduced into the cage, males often experience an immediately renewed interest in sex and begin mating with her. The Coolidge effect has been documented in humans as well. For instance, in one study, male participants were either more exposed to constant or varied sexual stimuli, while their level of sexual arousal was measured by a device that records changes in penile circumference. So, the men who were repeatedly shown the same stimuli showed less arousal over time. In other words, they demonstrated habituation. By contrast, the men who were exposed to varied sexual stimuli maintained higher levels of arousal. Another study found that after watching porn clips featuring the same actress over a period of several days, exposure to porn featuring a new actress was linked not only to faster ejaculation, but also the release of more active sperm. Dang, this is another crazy study. This suggests that the Coolidge effect may have an evolutionary explanation behind it that may potentially increase men's odds of reproductive success with new partners. The Coolidge effect has also been documented in females, although the pattern seems to be somewhat less pronounced. For instance, research on female hamsters has found that after mating with one male hamster until exhaustion, they demonstrate renewed interest in sex when a new male is introduced to the cage. Also, research on women has found that just like men, they show some degree of habituation in response to repeated presentations of the same erotic stimulus. What this tells 
tells us is that the Coolidge effect isn't a uniquely male phenomenon by any stretch of the imagination. Declining sexual interest in a long-term partner and being excited by variety is probably to be expected rather than a sign that something is wrong with you or your relationship. As you may imagine, the Coolidge effect has important implications for our romantic relationships. In particular, it suggested declining sexual interest in a long-term partner and being excited by variety can show that that's a normal response in a relationship and that it's not actually something that's wrong with you. And so the article pretty much goes on to say, like, what can be done to combat that and like what can be done to spice up your relationship but I honestly feel like that's more specific to the person and like you can't really exactly do something that an article tells you to do and have it work for every relationship and so one thing that they mention in the article is having rougher sex because they say that rough sex causes more intense orgasms due to more aggression and more vigorous thrusting. It has also been reported that rough sex can help close the orgasm gap of five to six minutes for men versus 13 minutes for women. But what else could draw people to rough sex? And so... They say that that's where the Coolidge effect comes in because rough sex introduces a variety that's different than how sex normally is for some people. And they basically say that in order to maintain sexual excitement, another trigger for rough sex, especially among men, is being separated from their partner or suspecting that their partner may have cheated on them. And so they do another study that shows that men who suspect that their partners have cheated on them are more likely to perceive a risk in their relationship and this triggers something called sperm competition. And this basically leads men to engage in sexual behaviors like deep and vigorous thrusting aimed at displacing any semen that may have been left by rival men so that their own sperm have better chances at fertilization and survival. Wow. And I feel like that makes sense because like, Aside from sex just feeling good, there is an evolutionary reason behind like why we're drawn to do the things that we do. And the only connections I was able to find between rough sex and actual domestic violence was related to men inevitably watching more and more violent porn and they start needing more and more violence against women to turn them on. And this, of course, leads to more acts of violence and sexual acts of violence in the real world because porn warps the mind and changes what people think is more normal during sex. And the truth is that just like consistently consuming any violent media, porn itself modifies the the sexual interests like of the person who's viewing it and what cravings they have and what they think is 
acceptable to the world. And of course, people who are aroused by this porn, aka men, go out and try to emulate it. And ever since I found out, like, from the Benchtopia podcast, that Call of Duty and the Avengers and Marvel are basically sponsored by the U.S. military as propaganda to, like, promote war and I I, that's honestly believable to me because if you think about the age range and the gender of people who would typically see Call of Duty and see like Marvel movies and think like oh like that's badass you know the people who write like the Avengers and stuff they have a contract with the U.S. government to where like they can't do anything to make America or the government look bad and I just think that's that's just so funny to me and then if the problem with porn itself wasn't like the ideas that it's causing about the world it's also about the industry and its workers and like how can you guarantee the porn that you're seeing is made consensually and ethically and those workers are being paid fair and I know a lot of people like to bash on like OnlyFans and OnlyFans girls because like you're posting your whole online but I honestly feel like OnlyFans and being a cam girl and stuff is better than watching traditional porn on like Pornhub because A, you can pay an actual person for your content and B, it's more personal to you when it's an actual person rather than just watching someone random online and you can most likely guarantee that that woman is creating that porn for herself and posting it online herself and editing it herself and she actually wants that out there and there have been lawsuits against Pornhub because women will have their revenge porn posted on Pornhub that they do not want online getting like hundreds of thousands of views and there have also been lawsuits where Pornhub is getting sued for not taking down child pornography off its site because they used to allow people like anyone with an account to post anything and they didn't like verify who was in the video or like what it was being made for and now they recently started like cracking down on that but how many people have to be exploited and like humiliated for actual change to happen so I kind of just wanted to like get my thoughts out about that and for those of you who don't know I am a cam girl I do have an OnlyFans so I might be biased about some of these topics but the Barbie movie definitely really did make me think about a lot of things not just Barbie related and I feel like it brings up a lot of thought-provoking concepts about like men and the world and women in our relation to the world and at the end of the movie well basically okay rewind basically in the movie 
Ken saw the Barbies dominating the world and being great. And then someone from the real world started playing with stereotypical Barbie and having like existentialist thoughts. So Barbie and Ken went to the real world and Ken saw how men are actually portrayed by all of these masculine ideals like golf and beer and sports and cowboys. And so it basically he felt empowered by seeing all of those symbols of strong men and he brought it back to Barbie land and he pretty much destroyed the world that Barbie created because he felt insecure. And so pretty much the entire movie is about trying to fix what Ken messed up due to not being confident in himself and his abilities. And I think it's funny that the Barbie movie is about how like, women are supposed to be empowered and men are supposed to be empowered and everyone has their own place in the world but Barbie still ends up having to fix Ken's mess and comfort him and so that he stops destroying shit and so my favorite part of the movie was at the end when like the Ken's stop fighting and the Barbies were able to use their sex appeal to turn everything back to normal and the Kins are like can we finally get a place on the Supreme Court now and the Barbies are like nope like (laughs) I don't think I'm gonna go that far and it just really made me think because like the Barbie movie is meant to be a satire of the real world and for a while women actually didn't have a place on the supreme court like there was a time when women couldn't even vote and we're still battling for a lot of women and people in general to have the same rights and equality men have so i think the barbie movie has something for everyone and uh, I think that if there's anything that everyone can take away from this is that like no one needs these ideas and concepts created by other people to feel whole. Like the whole point behind gendered things and concepts is that they were meant to, they were created to reaffirm certain beliefs. And just like anything, those concepts and those beliefs about genders change. And we need different things to reaffirm our beliefs now. But I also want to give you guys a little reminder to sub to the Patreon for all of my letters, links, and articles that I find interesting. Book recommendations, bonus episodes, and exclusive content. Um, I love you guys. Feel free to message me anytime at the Stoner Fairy about what you think. And uh, I think we should probably smoke one more bowl before we go. I hope that you guys have an amazing day or week or night whenever you're watching this. And I'm encouraging you to take like a couple deep breaths or a hit with me.
another movie that I'm excited about and interested on reviewing for you guys is Priscilla. Um, the Elvis movie written from Priscilla's perspective. It's based on the actual Priscilla Presley's book. I'm excited to compare both the book and the movie and get back to you guys. I'm so sleepy. I need to relax, get in the bath, and have some me time. But I love you. Bye.